I personally believe that President Joe Biden is God's permissive will for the country at the moment. Thank you for tuning in to the Removing Barriers podcast. I'm Jay. And I'm MCG. And we're attempting to remove barriers so we can all have a clear view of the cross. This is episode 88 of the Removing Barriers podcast. And in this episode, we will be discussing the viral phrase, let's go Brandon, on our duty to respect the office of the president. Hi, this is Jay. MCG and I would like for you to help us remove barriers by going to removingbarriers.net and subscribing to receive all things removing barriers. If you'd like to take your efforts a bit further and help us keep the mics on, consider donating at removingbarriers.net slash donate. Removing Barriers, a clear view of the cross. We'll start by Jay giving us a background and origin of the phrase. Back in October of 2021, there was a race car driver by the name of Brandon Brown who won his race a Sparks 300 race. He won the race and everyone was excited and he was being interviewed by NBC reporter Kelly Stavist. And she asked him how he felt, what were the emotions behind his win. And he began to talk about how he felt and thank all of his helpers and sponsors and things of that sort. But in the background, there were a group of spectators chanting the F expletive and then the president's name. And they were doing it to the tune of the popular crowd chant. And they were clearly heard saying, F Joe Biden. However, the news reporter said that they were saying, let's go Brandon. And to anyone watching, it was obvious that that was not what they were saying. And so it became a viral internet meme, and it became also a political slogan. The question is whether or not she actually heard what they were saying and just was feeling for the president and hiding for him, or if she perhaps misinterpreted what they were saying. And that's the question. Whatever the question is, the majority of people have reacted in agreement, taking it, running with it, making it a viral slogan, a viral internet meme. And it became a chant in opposition to the sitting president, which at this time is Joe Biden. And it was also an indictment against the media who always runs interference and covers for Joe Biden in their coverage of the news and their coverage of what he says and does. And so it also became a chant that expressed how the American people are disenchanted and disapproving of the media, which they call legacy media now. And so that's the background of the Let's Go Brandon chant. So the question that I have when I think of Let's Go Brandon is whether or not the reporter understood what was being said. Now, I don't have a question about that because I think she heard clearly what they were saying, but she was just covering for the president. But MCG, do you think that the reporter misunderstood the chance or was she just covering for the administration? Well, in order for any of us to know 100% whether or not she was covering for the administration or she misunderstood the chant, we would have to get it from her personally and believe in that she's been honest. I can speak for myself personally. When I first heard it, I didn't actually heard nor discern what they were saying until I actually listened a little bit more intently and heard what they were actually saying. So I think that there's a chance that the reporter heard the chant, heard the cadence of what the crowd was saying, 
and assume because based on the circumstances, based upon what she was doing, that they were saying, let's go, Brandon. That's a possibility. You know, at times, your brain work tricks on you. You can hear something with a certain chant and you can put whatever you want to put there. As long as it has the same cadence, it will fit. So think about it. I'm a reporter. I'm trying to get Brandon Brown to do an interview. I have producers in my ears or someone else in my ear talking and telling me when they're ready and all this stuff. The cameraman giving me instructions and all this stuff. Basically, she was multitasking and she heard a chant or cadence and she could assume that they're saying, let's go, Brandon. Now, as you said, that chant is pretty popular at sport arenas and stuff like that. And it's not very popular at sport arenas until probably this year for folks to be cursing the president in their chant. Now, I could hear this. And I could put whatever I want to put in that. I can say, let's go Lakers. It fits. Let's go Raptors. I can put whatever sport team I want to put there because it's the same cadence. It's over and over and over. So I believe that she probably heard it. Her brain played a little bit of trick on her. She's trying to improvise on the moment. And she said something that wasn't what the crowd was saying. I think she realized afterwards, but I will give her the benefit of the doubt initially as to what she actually heard. Here's my thing, right? That race wasn't the first time that chant was, you know, that the crowd was chanting that phrase. That wasn't the first sporting event. It had happened in the months prior, September, late August, in different college football games. And so it was like little tenders of fire here and there, but it really didn't catch fire and blow up until this particular instance where I think she was covering for them. And if she were standing right there, And it was at the point where the cars aren't running any longer. So she can't use the excuse of the cars driving by as there being too much noise that she couldn't discern what was being said. In addition to that, many of the chanters were not just singing it, they were shouting it without any kind of musical intonation in their voices. So in my mind, to misconstrue what they were saying is, in my mind, of course, it's only my opinion. It's unlikely. I think she heard what they said and was just covering for what they were saying, because it was during her particular piece. And so she had to, I don't know, play it off or kind of explain it away because you can't have that kind of, (laughs) that kind of thing being chanted on a live broadcast of some sort and not address it. That would be on her. I think she did the best she could to try and twist it to make it seem like something less offensive, but I don't think that she misinterpreted it at all. I think that what she did was deliberate. You might be right, Jay. I'm not saying that it's out of the realm of possibility that she was covering for the administration. But I also have to say, though, that a group of people saying something in cadence is easily misunderstood, one, and two, is usually hard to understand what they're saying. Think about it. Have you ever heard a choir singing and can't really make out what they're saying? Yes, but that's, here's where I'll push back a little bit. I think that if it's a cadence that you're familiar with, it frees your mind from having to focus on the music And it allows you to divert all of your attention and focus on what's actually being said because you already know what the tune is going to do. So you can focus on what's being said. That can be an argument for why she would have heard them even more clearly because it's a cadence that everyone knows, that everyone is familiar with. She didn't have to focus on the music of the cadence or of the tune. She could just focus on what was being said. 
Yeah, but the logical conclusion would be Brandon just won a game and they're cheering for him. I think that's logical as well, or at least within the realm of possibility, that she was simply saying, this is most likely what they're saying. In my mind, there's no reason to assume that they were fans of Brandon. Of course there is. He just won the game. The race. The race. So, yeah, of course there is. So I suppose. And I'm not saying that it's not possible for her to cover for the administration. We have seen reporters do that all the time. I'm just saying that there's a possibility that she wasn't covering for the president, nor covering for her network, which is hard to say because what she was, what, MSNBC? That's an incredibly difficult argument to make for anyone to believe simply because we know that the current media, the legacy media, has a well-established, well-proven track record of covering for the president, for the administration. Well, not even for the administration, for the party. Covering for the party, explaining for the party, and simply kotoing for the party. And so, I don't know, I'm completely skeptical that it was something that she misheard and was simply misinterpreting. So why do you think the phrase became so popular? I think precisely for that reason. Number one, it's a meme that exposes itself, where the media exposes itself. The media trolled itself that day, where it crystallizes what the media does to the American people on the daily. Peeing on the American people's shoes and calling it a rainstorm. This is what actually happened. They take it, they spin it to be something positive when it's actually not something positive when it's not something real or true. Let's go, Brandon, is not true in the sense that that's not what they were saying. And it's the same thing that the media does day in and day out. For example, let's think about the riots and the unrest that was happening in the summer in 2020, the protests that they so-called mostly peaceful. Literally, there's a reporter from CNN telling us that, oh, these protests are mostly peaceful and there's a building on fire behind him. It's that whole thing of, peeing on their boots and telling you it's a rainstorm type of thing. And the media, the lies and the gaslighting and assuming that the American people are stupid, that they can't see what's happening. That's exactly what happened. It was crystallized in those few seconds in that clip where they clearly said the expletive toward the president's, the anti-Biden chant, and hearing her say something that was completely different, completely wrong. Everyone knows it. And I think that's why it went popular. I think that's why it went viral, because the media exposed themselves. They trolled themselves. Yeah, I would agree with you, except I think that it was a mistake. I think she truly made a mistake. I understand others think differently, but I think it epitomized three things. One, the fake news narrative. This is what happened and media said something totally opposite. I think also, if it is true that she was protecting the administration, this was definitely a protection of Joe Biden's and his popularity and everything that right wing pundits say towards the president whether his mental decline or his popularity numbers or whatever i think you can make an argument of course that they were protecting the president and also i think this is one of the other reasons why it went viral because of the vulgarity that is involved being able to infer vulgarity without actually using the phrase or using a vulgar term cause it to go viral as well because people who are too, I guess, high class to actually use the F word towards the president would not have a problem saying let's go Brandon, which to me is as vulgar as saying what they were actually saying. But because 
you can hide behind the phrase, a lot of folks will find themselves being comfortable saying it when they would not actually be comfortable to say the meaning behind it. For those three reasons, I think that's why it went viral. But the thing that's on my mind that mostly here, though, and one of the reasons why I chose to do this as an episode is because a father calling to the show, you know, with President Joe Biden and his wife, First Lady Jill Biden, on Christmas Eve, and he used the phrase to the president at the end of the call. Should we as Christians be using that phrase? Because I think the sad thing about this father was that in his defense, he said that he was a Christian. Was this disrespectful to the president? Oh, yeah, absolutely it was. And I'm sorry. The reason I'm laughing is because when he actually said the phrase, the president agreed with him. And I thought, if there was anything that you would not agree with, it would be that phrase. He literally said, let's go, Brandon, I agree. And I thought, you can't say that. It's about you. It's another one of his many, many gaffes that was very, very, very funny. But the fact that the father used that phrase to the president's face and then backtracked and said it was just a joke and that he's a Christian is obviously not funny because as Christians, we are exhorted in scripture, we are commanded in scripture that our speech should be full of grace. True, we are not to use vulgar language. The scriptures are clear on that. And when it comes to talking about or talking to the people that are in authority over us, which the president is, the scriptures are clear on how we are to speak to them. We are to render honor to whom honor is due. We are to, as it says in the scriptures, I exhort therefore that first of all, supplications, prayers, intercessions, and giving of thanks be made for all men, for kings, and for all that are in authority, that we may lead a quiet and peaceable life in all goodliness and honesty. For this is good and acceptable in the sight of God, our Savior, who will have all men to be saved and come unto the knowledge of the truth. For there is one God and one mediator between God and men, the man Christ Jesus, who gave himself a ransom for all to be testified in due time. Whereunto I am ordained a preacher and an apostle. I speak the truth in Christ and I lie not, a teacher of the Gentiles in faith and verity. When the scriptures tell us that, it's clear that instead of cursing the president, as this particular phrase is, we are to be praying for him, we are to be speaking of him in nothing but honorable and respectable terms, and this father did not do that. He set a poor example for his children, for the country, for everyone that was paying attention, and that's just not something that Christians should be doing. Yeah, and you know, sometimes, at least to my close friends, I can be somewhat of a jokester. I can take things and make jokes out of them that quite honestly sometimes should not be made fun of. But I would not have done that to the president. I think that was grossly disrespectful to the president, whether or not he was joking or not, whether or not he had a right protected by the First Amendment to say it or not. He should not have said it. And I agree with you that it did set a bad example for his son, who is the reason why he was on a call with the president mm-hmm. that night. They were checking Santa or whatever they were doing and stuff like that. And the president took precious time out of his day to do that. And I don't think that's something the father should have done, whether or not he's Christian or not. I think he just made it worse by claiming Christian because now you're just putting gasoline on fire of people accusing Christians of 
mm-hmm. being, you know, crass or vulgar or whatever the case may be. And to something you said, Jay, I'm actually glad that the president doesn't even know anything about the phrase, or at least appeared not to know anything about the phrase. So I think it was one of the best examples the president could have said, I agree. When he say, let's go, Brandon, the president say, I agree. I think that was a perfect answer. What else should he have said? Should he have gotten angry? That wouldn't have looked good. Should he have scolded the father at that point? I don't think that would have looked good. So I think the best response the president could have given was, I agree, let's go, Brandon. And I think the president has a lot more important things to do and to think about than to know a viral phrase out there. I'm actually glad he didn't know about it. This phrase is different, though, because it's not just an anti-Biden chant. It's also an indictment against the media as well. And with the culture war being white hot as it is, it's an ongoing thing. This is not something that he could afford to not know as the president. And so I think that his response was, it was one of those I mean, what do you do? Someone caught you online or on the air live with this derogatory phrase. Like you say, you can't lower the office of the president by quipping back or by responding angrily. What can you do? Perhaps being the fact that he is the leader of the free world and he is one of the leading thought leaders in the free world, or at least he should be, he could have taken that opportunity to perhaps remind Americans of the need to be civil and perhaps try to address the concerns behind the phrase. There are some legitimate concerns behind the phrase. You can be anti-Biden without being derogatory, without being crass and vulgar. However, you could also address those issues for which he's completely unpopular at that point. The vaccine mandates, the masking requirements, the handling of the COVID pandemic in particular, All of those things were impetus for Americans to be grumbling about what was happening. The fact that he was sending out writing checks to people for them to stay home and people were more content to stay home and receive government checks than to go back to work and get the economy back on its feet. The economy imploding, although, I mean, the weight of the pandemic had a lot to do with that. I think perhaps more could be placed on their response to the pandemic. So there was a lot that he had to answer for as the current leader of the administration, that was simply not being addressed. And that's the frustration that the American people feel, that their particular concerns are not being addressed, while at the same time, the media continues to just cover for this man and whitewash the entire issue, try to tell you that things are okay when they're not. And so I hate to say it like this, but he had it coming. It should not have happened, but he had it coming. Because you can ignore your people for only so long before they rise up and let you know that they're not particularly happy with how you've been handling things. I think we're talking at two different levels here because you're right. Those things should be addressed. But my point is that's not the place or time. Or the time. I agree with that. I agree with that. So the father was wrong in saying that. Mm -hmm. Quite honestly, I stick to my point that I think President Joe Biden gave the best answer that he could have given. Let's go, Brandon. I agree and move on. Because that wasn't a time or place for him to adjust those kind of things. Mm-hmm. Come on, he was a check and center fun time with kids. He should not have been brought up. So I agree. I think President Joe Biden gave the perfect answer. I agree. Move on. The conversation was over. I don't think that he should have rebuked him in any way or answered in any way or even anything. Fine. If that's what he want to be. Because now, even... Days after, even though I don't agree with how the media 
expose the father. Was he doxxed? I'm not quite sure if he was doxxed, but of course his name was out there and oh, stuff like that. Oh, I see. But at that point, he's the one who looked bad. He's the one who looked like he doesn't have any class because President Joe... The father, jo- you mean? Right. Mm-hmm. Because President Joe Biden does simply, I agree. And I don't think that he should have said anything differently. Also, there was a similar example in the book of Acts where the Bible says here, and Paul earnestly beholding the council said, men and brethren, I have lived in all good conscience before God until this day. And the high priest Ananias commanded them that stood by him to smite him on the mouth. Then Paul said unto him, God shall smite thee, thou whited wall. Of course, meaning you hypocrite. You know, the King James Virgin Bible is very descriptive. Poetic. Yeah. <laughs> For sittest thou to judge me after the law, and commandest thou me to be smitten contrary to the law? And they that stood by said, Revilest thou God's high priest? Then said Paul, I wist not, brethren, that he was the high priest. For it is written, Thou shalt not speak evil of the ruler of thy people. So I think right there, the Bible shows us that Paul here is standing before high priest. Of course, Paul could have said so many things. You are false. We don't need a priest anymore to have contact with God. Right. He could have said so many things, but he said, you know what? Thou shalt not speak evil of the ruler of thy people. He didn't even say the man of God because we know the high priest wasn't the man of God. But he said, thou shalt not speak evil of the ruler of thy people. And this is exactly what the father did. He was speaking evil or speak evil to the president. And also, I just think the same verse you quoted, 2 Timothy 2, yeah. verse 1 and 2. What should we do? We should be praying for the president that we should lead a quiet and peaceful life in all godliness and honesty. That's what this father should have done rather than calling out the president or saying that phrase to the president, should we be losing expositive towards the office of the president? No, we shouldn't. Christians shouldn't be doing that. And by extension, no one else should be doing that either. Colossians 4, 6 says, let your speech, and I mentioned this verse before, let your speech be always with grace, seasoned with salt, that ye may know how ye ought to answer every man. The context of that verse, of course, was regarding Christians and sharing the gospel. But the principle is there that our speech should always reflect the grace and the truth that Christ himself embodied when he came to this earth to show us how to live and to save us. And so as Christians, which means little Christs, we should not be doing anything less. We should be doing as our Father, as our God and King and Savior, Lord Jesus, has done. And that's the example that he set for us. We should not be using expletives toward the office of the president. Now, that doesn't mean that we don't speak out against the sins or the injustices or the shortcomings of the administration, but we can do that without minced oaths, as Let's Go Brandon is, and without expletives. Of course, as you said at the beginning of the podcast, MCG, one of the reasons why this thing went viral, because it allowed people to use expletives in such a fashion that anyone can use them because it's an minced oath for the expletive F. Joe Biden. And so if it's not okay to say F. Joe Biden, let's go Brandon, shouldn't be okay either. And so to answer your question, no, we should not be using expletives toward the office of the president. As you said in 2 Timothy 2.1, we should be praying for the president. We should be lifting him up in prayer. This president really needs it because let's be real, he is cognitively impaired. There is definitely an impairment there. And to have the office of the presidency and to have that hindrance, to have that impediment. That's a big problem, not just for him, but for us. He's the pilot of the plane that we're all riding on. We should not want him to fail. We should not be pointing fingers at him and making fun of him. When he does fail, we should be praying for him. 
And as the scriptures say, all supplications, prayers, and intercessions. And it says also giving thanks to be made for all men. So yes, that means we should be thanking God for President Joe Biden. Regardless of how we feel about him, we should be giving thanks. Yeah, I agree. You know, I heard a preacher said that there are three things that we should be doing or or responsibilities to the government. Of course, if the government does wrong, and sometimes we believe whether it's President Joe Biden or any other president before him does wrong, the government in the First Amendment gave us a way to regress those grievances. But a lot of times people think of the First Amendment, we think about freedom of speech, but protest is also protected in the First Amendment. The freedom to speak out against your government without fear. But we should be doing that in a peaceful manner. And then, of course, if the government now start to usurp the authority, we still should be, in the mediums that the government allow us to do that, also disagree with the government through those mediums. The only time I believe that as Christians we should disobey the government is when the government asks us to disobey God. Of course, you can look at example of Daniel and the lions then. Shadrach, Meshach, and to bed we go, or Abednego. <laughs> to bed we go. <laughs> These three Hebrew young men, they decided to disobey the king because the king asked them to disobey God. You can look at Jacobed, which is Moses' mother. She decided to disobey the Pharaoh because the Pharaoh acted to disobey God. You can go to all throughout scripture. You can look at Joseph, disobeyed his master because his master asked him to disobey God. All throughout scripture, there's example after example after example. You can talk about Esther and Mordecai, and it's filled throughout scripture where folks decide that they're going to disobey the ruling person over them. The denominator is always the same. When the ruling party or the ruling government asks them to disobey God, not because they don't agree with some policy, not because they think their president is mentally not there, not because they don't agree with the fact that the president is giving away money, is when the government asks you to disobey God. And that's the only time I think we as Christians have a biblical mandate to disobey the government. We should always be obeying the government when the government asks us to do something that is not anti-scripture. You mentioned Colossians 4 verse 6, but also you have Ephesians 4 verse 29. And I think when we use expletive towards the office of the president, we are violating those two verses. Ephesians 4 verse 29, let no corrupt communication proceed out of your mouth, but that which is good to the use of edifying, that you may minister grace unto the hearers. And when we use the phrase, let's go Brandon and those we're not ministering grace. We're being crass. We're being uncivil with that. Just like I believe the protests and the Black Lives Matter stuff in the summer of 2020 was uncivil. That's not protected by the First Amendment. That's not going through the means the government have given us to adjust our grievances legally. That's actually a sin. That's actually uncivil. That's actually not biblical in what we're doing. And it's the same thing I see here when we start saying these phrases and start doing these things with the president. You know, is the president mentally declining? Yes. There's a possibility. I'm no doctor, 
there's evidence out there where we see he say things that he can't discern. He seems like he doesn't know where he is at times, walking around the room, shaking hands with no one is there. Yeah, there's evidence that show that there's something going on. But I don't think going out there saying that he's mentally declined when we don't know. I don't know. I'll just circle and say, you know what, I'll pray for President Joe Biden because whether we like it or not, he's our president. He's my president. And let's pray for him. Let's be biblical and just prefer him and leave it at that. There's a distinction here to be made between the law and what Christ would have us to do. If we believe that everyone should be under the rule of the law of Christ, under Christ, then yes, speech like that is not acceptable. However, we do live in a society ruled by pluralism. It is a pluralistic society. And so the question is, is Let's Go Brandon covered by the First Amendment? I would say that it is. I don't think that we can say that that speech should be prohibited because it's, you know, vulgar or it's something that we don't like. It's something that we don't necessarily believe in as Christians. Now, if you were to ask me, everyone and their brother should be under the rule of God, what the scriptures say. However, in the United States, that's increasingly not the reality. And so, if we are in what they say is a postmodern uh, world now, then Let's Go Brandon is protected under the First Amendment. And I agree with that. I'm not saying that the phrase should be illegal. I don't think the government should be censoring speech. Mm-hmm. I think that folks should be allowed to say whatever they want to say. I'm not even saying that the government should jail anybody for this phrase or anything. This phrase should be totally legal. I'm just simply saying it doesn't provide a level of civil behavior that should be in our society. We should Oh, be, I see. It deteriorates the conditions so that right. civil discourse becomes difficult or impossible. Right. We shouldn't be cursing the leader of our country. Whether or not we agree with him or not, we shouldn't be using these phrases towards the leader of the country. That should be morally inside of us that we know, hey, we're not going to do this. He's the president. Have enough respect for the office of the president to not do that. No, I'm not saying he should be illegal. I think he should be totally legal. But I think society should look and say, you know what? That's not acceptable. That's what I'm saying. Of course, we already showed from scripture, it's not acceptable in scripture. No, So, And even if you want to say, okay, society as a whole is not Christian, in which the population or American as a whole, I don't think is Christian, that's fine. And I think that, of course, you have the First Amendment and you should be able to say what you want to say. But that doesn't make it right. You can say a lot of things that's wrong, and that's fine. I think people should be able to say whatever they want to say. But that doesn't mean that what they say is right. This is difficult, though, because for many, many years, people on the right have conducted themselves according to that principle. And I'm not sure about that. Well, maybe generally, oversimplistically generally. And the left would take advantage of that and push and push and push. And now it seems like the right is pushing back a little bit. And of course, that increases polarization. Like you said, it fosters an environment that's not conducive to discourse. It's not conducive to dialogue so that we can work through the problems, even though we all have differing views in the country. We all got to get along because we're all on this airplane together and we don't want the pilot to crash, even though we don't like them kind of thing. So as you said, let's go, Brandon. It doesn't help. But following that line of thinking, Trump received similar treatment from the media and from people who didn't like him. Like I said, Republicans are kind of pushing back a little bit of tit for tat. Are they right in doing that? Absolutely not. 
Absolutely not. Quite honestly, tit for tat is childish. Why do we need to do that? I think we can turn to scripture on that and say, you know what? Romans 12 verse 14, bless them that persecute you, bless and curse not. Romans 12 verse 17 and 18, recommends to no man evil for evil, provide things honest in the sight of all men. If it be possible, as much as light in you, live peaceably with all men. Romans 12, 19 and 20, dearly beloved, and venge not yourself, but rather give place unto wrath, for it is written, vengeance is mine, I will repay, said the Lord. Therefore, if thine enemy hunger, feed him. If he thirst, give him drink. For in so doing, thou shalt heap coals of fire in his head. So, should Republicans be doing the tit for tat? Absolutely not. You know what? This epitomizes what I dislike about politics. Because it's not whether it's right or wrong. It's you did it so I can do it too. Look at the filibuster. You know, look at the binary voting process in the Senate where for financial stuff, it can be 49, 51, and they'll be fine. So Vice President Kamala Harris is now the tiebreaker. Mm -hmm. You know, before you would have to go through the filibuster and a vote to come out of committee and all those things. But for some things, they don't have to do that anymore. The Democrats did it, changed the rule. Now the Republicans come in and, okay, and the Democrats start crying about it or the Republicans do something and the Democrats come in and do something or follow that same rule. The Republicans start crying about it. If it's wrong, it's wrong. If it's right, it's right. You know, if it was wrong for the Democrats to do that to President Donald Trump, it's wrong for Republicans to do the same thing to President Joe Biden. It's not because, oh, you did it so I can do it too. I hate that. Where's the maturity? Where's the looking and say, okay, well, yeah, I have the right and I could do that, but how about I chose a maturity and say, hey, he's the president and I'm going to respect the office of the president. That level of civility has not been present in American politics for at least, what are we, 2022? For at least four decades now, I'd say. Maybe five decades now. So we can't even begin to hope to see that kind of interaction between the two parties any longer, I don't think. That's out the window. Now, it might be the right thing to do, but nothing is ever going to get done that particular way. I'm not saying it's right and I'm not saying it's wrong. I'm not saying it's right, I should say, but nothing is going to get done on account of that because everyone is more ideologically driven now or tribally driven. It's more about, I want my team to win, not really about the issues that are at hand. It's more about, I want my team to win no matter what. And if you say the sky is red, I'm going to say it's blue, even though it's whatever color, even though that's not the truth. And so, The question is, when you have a people, a country, a nation, a government so divided and polarized, is there any hope in going back to that time where things were a little bit more civil, a little bit less tit for tat and a little more about the issue that's at the table? I don't mean to sound like good old days type complaining here, because obviously even back in the day, there was plenty of that going around, this tit-for-tat, my team wins type of thing. But is there any hope for that now? I think we've crossed the bridge and burned it. I don't think we can ever go back to a level of civility in our public discourse that will allow us to address the problems that really need addressing. I'm not quite sure I agree, but I might be optimistic here. But I think the problem is that As our country has moved away 
more and more away from quote-unquote religion. You know, we kicked the Bible out of school and prayer out of school in the 60s. And now it has been two, three generations after that. And we have seen the fruits of what that caused. And I think as we remove religion, quote-unquote again, out of people's life, they're going to replace it with something. And I think what we have seen today is that the American people have replaced the religion that they had back in their 50s and 60s and before that with politics. Politics is now a religion. So that now, if you claim to be Republican, you are immediately being associated with a set of beliefs that you must have. And if you're a Democrat, you're immediately assigned a set of beliefs you must have. That's why recently on The View, and we have talked about The View a couple of times on this podcast in several different episodes, Sonny Holston said she doesn't understand black Republicans. It's an oxymoron to her. And she said the same for Hispanic Republicans, an oxymoron to her. Why? Because politics now has become more so of a religion in terms that you're going to have these sets of belief. You cannot, or if you're this skin color, or if you're this, you cannot be this. Mm-hmm. Which I think is one of the major problems today because, again, religion has been replaced by politics. And it's not for the better, of course. And when I say religion, I'm just talking about in a broad term. But I don't think it's for the better, nor it has done the country good. But that's one of the issues that we have seen here because we quickly put people on size, Republican or Democrat. I'm neither. I'm neither Republican nor Democrat. They put people inside, whether you're Republican, Democrat, whether you're black or white, whether you're male or female or allied to the LGBTQIA plus community, they're constantly dividing us. And this division is, I don't think, is helping the country. What should a Christian response be to all this? I think, well, one, how about not joining in in the vulgarity? Mm. I think that the Christians should not join in the vulgarity of a scripture by praying for President Joe Biden. I personally believe that President Joe Biden is God's permissive will for the country at the moment. You can argue whether or not the election was stolen. I have no evidence of that. I cannot prove it and I cannot disprove it. But at this point, I believe that President Joe Biden is God's permissive will for the country at the moment. Daniel chapter 2, verse 20 and 21, Daniel answered and said, Blessed be the name of God forever and ever, for wisdom and might are his. And he changeth the times and the season. He removeth kings and setteth up kings. He giveth wisdom unto the wise and knowledge to them that know understanding. Of course, Daniel was in reference to King Nebuchadnezzar. But I think the principle apply here. He said that he removed kings and he set it up kings. Why did God want Joe Biden to be his permissive will? Again, note, I'm saying permissive will. I don't think President Joe Biden is God's perfect will for the country. But America has been down that path long before President Joe Biden. So why did God want him to be his, the permissive will for the country? It could be for judgment. It could be for blessing. I have no idea. We can speculate until the chickens come home. But the thing is there that Daniel is saying here that God removed kings and he set up kings. God removed one president, he set up another president. 
I think we can draw from the principle here. In Daniel chapter 5 and verse 21, he said, Till he knew that the Most High God ruleth in the kingdom of men, and he pointed over it whomsoever he will. That's the latter part of Daniel chapter 5 verse 21. Till he knew that the Most High God ruleth in the kingdom of men, and he appointed over it whomsoever he will. The Bible seems to indicate to me that God has control over all of this. Why is President Joe Biden the President of the United States? Because God sees fit to allow him to be. God permissive will. The same is true for all previous presidents and all world leaders. So you may look at President Kim Jong-un of North Korea and say, how in the world could that be? And I can't say I have a perfect answer for it except that God removed kings and he set it up kings. How in the world can Vladimir Putin be God's permissive will for Russia? I cannot give any idea except the Bible said God removed kings and he set it up kings. Why is it that name the nation, God removed kings and he set it up kings? I think that our responsibility as Christians should be Romans 13 verse 1 and 2. Let every soul be subject unto the higher powers, for there is no power but of God. The powers that be are ordained of God. Whomsoever therefore resisted the power, resisted the audience of God. And they that resist shall receive to themselves damnation. I think the Christian response should be obedience to the word of God and show respect to the office and condemn comments and phrase like, let's go Brandon, because it's disrespectful. I don't think we should be saying that towards the office of the president. We've been saying all through this podcast. Their government has three roles, two or three roles. One is to punish evildoers. Other one is for protection of his citizen. And you can argue the third one is rewarding good. Again, we should be respecting the office of the president. Can we disagree with President Joe Biden? Sure. But there are avenues in which we can do that and do it civilly, not by cursing. But if you have never come to the knowledge of Jesus Christ, and you're listening to this podcast and you're saying, there's no way that I'm going to submit myself to the scripture and respect the president. Well, you have a different problem. Your problem is not respecting the office of the president. Your problem is the fact that you have never come to the knowledge of truth, knowledge of who Jesus Christ is. So even before you start saying, I'm going to respect the office of the president, let me admonish you to turn to Christ. Because without the change of perspective, without the change of that worldview that you look through, you would probably never see the office of the president as being God's permissive will. God needs to change your heart, change your mind, change your thinking, being washed by his word for some of you to actually see that we should be obeying the office of the president. So your first order of business is to settle your eternal destiny with God, not with who is running the country. First, you should realize that you are a sinner. The Bible says in Romans 3, verse 3 and 10, as it's written, there's none righteous, no, not one. Romans 3, 23, for all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. Ecclesiastes 7 and verse 20, for there is not a judged man upon the earth that doeth God and sitteth not, realizing that you have offended a holy and righteous God because you are a sinner. God says do and you don't. God says don't and you do. And because of that, you are a sinner, not just because of what you've done, but because you were born into sin. David said in Psalms, in sin did my mother conceive me. We are all sinners by choice and by birth. Second, you should realize that there are 
consequences for your sins. Romans 6.23, for the wages of sin is death. John 3 verse 18, he that believeth on him is not condemned, but he that believeth not is condemned when already. You are already condemned if you're not saved because he had not believed in the name of the only begotten Son of God, realizing that there are consequences for your sin, realizing that you're a sinner. And thirdly, realize that Jesus Christ is the only way to escape the punishment for your sin. That consequence for your sin, realizing that Jesus Christ is the only way to escape the punishment. Romans 5 verse 8, But God commended his love towards us, and that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. And of course, we all know John 3.16, For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten Son, that whosoever believeth in him should not perish, but have everlasting life. In order for you to be saved, you must realize that you are a sinner. Realize the consequences of your sin and realize that Jesus Christ has already made a way to escape that punishment. The Bible says in Romans chapter 10, verse 9 to 13, the Bible says, that if thou shalt confess with thy mouth the Lord Jesus, and shalt believe in thine heart that God hath raised him from the dead, thou shalt be saved. For with the heart man believeth unto righteousness, and with the mouth confession is made unto salvation. For the scripture said, Whosoever believeth on him shall not be ashamed. For there is no difference between the Jew and the Greek, for the same Lord over all is rich unto all that call upon him. For whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. My admonishment to you, dear listener, would you trust him today? Thank you for listening. To get a hold of us, to support this podcast, or to learn more about Removing Barriers, go to removingbarriers.net. This has been the Removing Barriers podcast. We attempted to remove barriers so that we all can have a clear view of the cross.